0: Wednesday edition of 2 for one Drafts. Really excited about this one. We were going to be talking not so much draft today. It's been draft, 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 senior bowl, all of these things. It's now time to talk a little rookies. We've got to do a wrap-up on the 2019 NFL Draft class, really talk about this rookie class, which is very good. A handful of the best rookies played in the Super Bowl, Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel being two of them. I mean, this has been a very fantastic rookie
1: class, so we're going to walk through our rookie I awards. just completely actually disagree with that assessment. That's been a fantastic rookie class. You don't like the rookie class? I mean, I think there's been like four or five legit, Impact starters, which I think is a low number wow. for a rookie class. I don't know. It just there's if you look around the NFL, there's not a lot of guys that are really the quarterback class definitely underwhelmed too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like there weren't a lot of guys that you're like, oh, this is a surefire outside of Nick Bosa, maybe Eric McCoy, etc. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of guys who were really like surefire stud at his respective position. There's just I don't know. Well, I apologize
0: for trying to hype up this rookie. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's all just trash.
1: Maybe it's all just
0: trash. But we're gonna do some rookie awards, most outstanding player, biggest surprise, biggest disappointment disappointment. We're also gonna do a little redraft of the twenty twenty or twenty nineteen NFL draft, how we would do it now, and then maybe also highlight some second year breakouts. Maybe guys that didn't have a great rookie year but p- could potentially take the next step if you are following along live on youtube we have our latest mock draft on the ticker below but uh let's just go ahead and get right into it let's talk about some of these rookies starting with the most outstanding player from this rookie class is 2019 nfl draft
1: yeah this one we're going to i think agree on it 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 was nick bosa Mm -hmm. i mean he had the best rookie season we've ever seen from an edge defender went to the super bowl dominated uh against eric fisher there Like, like he was everything you expect from a number two overall pick and more like he was literally the most outstanding player I mean, <laughs> it's easy. I mean, Nick Bosa was
0: treated as a yeah. veteran for much of this season, just given the impact. Like people were game planning for Nick Bosa, yeah. and that you just didn't see with any other rookie defensive player this year. I mean, you didn't see it with even Josh Allen, all the success he had, and other edge defenders up front. Cleveland Furl included. You know, Devin White and Devin Bush weren't that level of player in year one. Nick Bosa was literally a you know transcendent player, a heavily impactful player. I mean, twelve pressures in the Super Bowl. He yeah. had
1: twelve pressures in the Super Bowl as a rookie. I mean, the best. You're for sure from an edge since at least Von Miller and Alden Smith back in '11. Like, and those are two guys who were Von Miller obviously a Hall of Fame career up to this point. Alden Smith would have had a Hall of Fame career had things not occurred off the field that caused otherwise. But yeah, I mean, like you're looking at the start of a Hall of Fame career, it looks like, for Nick Bosa.
0: And I don't have a different answer for you, man. I'm sticking with Nick Bosa as well. I don't think the conversation is even close. I mean, Nick Bosa was just that good. Let's go ahead and quick and dive into this next you know, award segment here. Biggest surprise. Give me your first kind of biggest surprise
1: from the rookie class this year. The biggest surprise to me is cornerback Jamel Dean from Auburn going to the Tampa Bay Bucks, doesn't play until what week 10 he doesn't even play till, and then he all of a sudden just starts racking up uh, pass breakups he, he got torched that first week it was actually week 9 against Seattle uh, got torched by D.K. Metcalf. Uh looked pretty rough, or oh, gave up over 150 yards. Still logged a handful of pass breakups. Yeah, in that still game. a couple of pass breakups in that game, but then from that game on, lights out coverage, doesn't give up more than thirty five four yards in the game the rest of the year, ends up allowing completion percentage under fifty percent. Uh I mean he just looks like he looks like easily the best cornerback from this class. Uh, and he had all the athletic testing measurables coming out, four three one. You know, he's a huge cornerback, six one two oh six was great, absolutely fantastic in press coverage uh, this past season, and but just wasn't limited to press coverage. That's all he did at Auburn. And so, like, I thought, uh, you, know, you know, it might be a transition for him, but he looked good in some off coverage situations, had some pass breakups from that, uh, two picks and 10 PDs when it was all said and done. That dude looks, like I said, like the best cornerback in this class.
0: I'm pretty sure from Week 10 on, he was one of the, the, the highest-graded cornerbacks th- in football. He mm-hmm. finished the year as the highest-graded rookie cornerback by a mile, and his pass... Excuse me. Forcing completion percentage was up there with the best in the it's NFL for the corner. It's
1: not fun. <laughs> uh,
0: his uh, forcing completion percentage was up there with the best in the NFL. So yeah. I mean, he had a really impressive year. But my surprise here, and I don't maybe not maybe not the biggest surprise, but definitely a surprise to many. Number sixty-eight on our board going into the draft, Terry McLaurin of Ohio State mm-hmm. lit the Senior Bowl on fire. Really showed that he could be something more than what he was at Ohio State. And I think you saw that translate into the NFL. He was, you know, the Washington Redskins go-to target, go-to target. It all year long, and he really thrived in that role. I was really impressed with his his nuance as a route runner, the professionalism, how he approaches the game, and when you have the tools and the deep speed to do so. I mean, it it it, it really adds up. This guy was a really impressive prospect. Should have went much higher than where he went in the draft.
1: Yeah, and actually, so with both Dean and McLaurin, we were technically they were higher on our board where than drafted. where they ended up getting drafted. So. You heard it here first. Oh No, we're still way too low on them. I mean, in a redraft, we'll get to that a little later, where we'd re-rank these guys in the top 10 of our board. Both these guys would end up making the top 10 of our draft board with what we've seen from them as a rookie because that's how good both of them have been uh, so far this season. Yeah, McLaurin. I mean, the speed, the route running ability, it all plays. Uh, I'm going to throw one more name out here, though. Eric McCoy, the Texas A&M center coming out. He was 80th on our board. Ends up finishing as a top five graded center in the NFL as a rookie. That's pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Like that, that I did not necessarily see coming. He struggled with some power uh, at the Senior Bowl reps and the one on ones. He only won twenty one percent of his reps in pass pro that week, so that was like a little concerning. That's where we were a little bit probably lower on him, but again, looks like a different player. Very. Uh, much a huge upgrade for the Saints on that interior offensive line over Max. Unger.
0: Yeah, if you if you look Eric McCoy's rookie grades at center, it's the best we've ever seen since um, the New York Jets center that was I'm, Eric uh, Mangle. Yeah, yeah, Eric Mangle It's the best we've ever seen. Nick Mangle, Jesus. Nick Mangle It's the Eric best we've McCoy, ever seen Nick Mangold. since Nick Mangled. And I had an opportunity to talk to Eric McCoy recently and explain that to him, and he said, "Yeah, man." I, he said he really owes it to Drew Brees. He said Drew Brees really, really made his job so much easier than it was at Texas A and M. He said he called the calls, he made all the decisions oh, for wow. me, and yeah. I think. I think Eric McCoy obviously learned from that, and as the season progressed, he got better. But I think the mental aspect, that that mental hurdle you have to pass as a rookie center was made a lot easier with the quarterback he did have in Drew Brees. He's calling out mics. He's mm-hmm. calling out protections way more, though, than like a Rodney Hudson of the Oakland Raiders who's making all of those calls at the of scrimmage, one of the smartest offensive linemen in the game. I think Eric McCoy... I'm not saying his rookie season was easy, but it was easier, and he had a, a very good mentor and, yeah. in terms of helping him understand the mental aspect of the game. But Eric McCoy, very impressive up there from a grading standpoint. I'm going to throw another name out there too: the man, the myth, the legend, Gardner uh, Minshew. Had you had to do it. How is Gardner Minshew not a surprise? I mean, he graded so well at Washington State, but he did have a new alarm, and that you know you don't you, know, you don't love projecting new alarms to the next level. And also, he was in a system that kind of was favorable to his strengths. But what he did well at Washington State, guess what, Renner? He did, he did well, well in the NFL, the NFL vertical lead throws, one of the better deep passers in the game this year. Not just among rookies, one of the better deep passers in the game this year. Not when you're trying to fire a missile 20 yards down the football field, but you know, floating it with touch over the top. He did a very good job with that. Accurate with the football. Good decision making for the most part. Had some rookie flaws, but I mean, there's a reason Jacksonville really liked this guy. He ended up benching Nick Foles to bring Gardner Minshew back in. I think Gardner Minshew, a huge surprise. We were not high enough on him. Even though the grades really said, hey, this guy is grading
1: at a very high level at the college level. Yeah, well, so he didn't grade great at East Carolina. Carolina then had the massive breakout his last year after transferring to Washington State, 88.4 passing grade. Uh, that was obviously a little, you know, going to a very favorable passing scheme. You kind of get hesitant about that. The arm, you get hesitant about that. Uh, ends up getting drafted 178th. He was 169th on our board, though. So, again, mm-hmm. hey, chalk it up. <laughs> w. No, no, still, it, well, you should have been higher. And that's why you draft QBs. Yeah. Because you draft QBs who are productive, I think, in college because that uh, – like that can translate to the
0: NFL. Cool. Another thing, too, talking or listening to some Gardner Minshew interviews, he said at Washington State, he really simplified the game to an, to the next level. Like Mike Leach did mm-hmm. such a good job of simplifying the game for Gardner Minshew to a point where he could really shine. And I think that's part of that breakout year. Knowing how the system
1: changed for him, knowing how the, the things changed for him is so important. I think you saw that with Gardner mitchell at Washington State. I, I really liked what he talked about. It was one of his interviews uh, before the Super Bowl about how it's predicated based off of numbers. Yeah, in, in yeah. The Washington State pass game. It's like, do we have more numbers here than they have there. Yeah. And that's like a very way of very easy way of simplifying the passing game, too. It's basically like a uh, fast break in basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if you have three guys, you're going to be able to if three V2 you should be able to space, if you space well enough, you should be able to find an open guy for an open bucket.
0: And if there's one thing Mike Leach is good, enough, good at, is creating space, you know, creating space with those receivers yes. and those concepts, yeah. so he's really good at that. All right, let's dive in the biggest dis- disappointment, Mike. Uh, Who disappointed you? To? Who disappointed you in year one? And this isn't necessarily something where you're saying, hey, this guy, you know, really, you know, is never going to be good in the NFL, but from I mean, a year yeah, one standpoint, he's disappointed.
1: That's the thing. It's like, we're reevaluating the rookie class right now. We're not writing anyone off. Yeah. We just, we have more information now than mm-hmm. we had a year ago and, and so we're going to have new takes. We're, gonna, yep. like, we're not going to be too stubborn to say, no, this guy was uh, like the first guy here, Jerry Tiller. This guy was seventh on our draft board. So we're going to stick to him until it's all said and done. No, yep. he looked like ass this year. Yeah, like, yeah, there's no man. shirt coating. And yeah. he sucked. And like, he, had, he was just so late off the ball in the run game. Like, he, was just, he looked like everything was moving way too fast for him. Mm-hmm. And it's a transition. But he's also we've heard some other some smoke. Out I've there got to talk a little bit okay. on Jerry Tillery here. I got to talk a little bit on Jerry Tiller here. So we went out and
0: interviewed Jerry Tillery in South Bend at Notre Dame, and, and honestly, to put it lightly, you know Jerry Tillery, very nervous. Hard, it was a hard interview. I, I, I tried to kind of smooth things out, trying to say you know level set like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm not going to bring up that you read books as a kid. Like he was in that he was in that situation. Yeah. He had the injury too. I was like, dude, he I'm not bringing up any. No, no hard balls coming your way, man. No yeah. fastballs. These are going to be lot, softballs. but really still really nervous. A lot of blanket answers. Not not, nothing really like deep into his history he's still nervous and then you hear some people talking to some people jerry tillery still hasn't talked to melvin gordon you know there's there's things that like where like there's information melvin ingram. That, yeah, yeah yeah melvin ingram melvin ingram and then, like there are things with like his personality that do maybe are keeping him from developing as he should you know keeping him from developing at the nfl yeah,
1: that, that like he, like rode the back of the bus on team trips
0: yeah well for the back of the plane so in the front of the area. plane there are players you know where the players sit in the back of the plane there's media and jerry Tillery's sitting in the back i mean that's there's some of that stuff where you like you hear that from people and again uncomfortable from sources whatever but like you hear that from people and you're like man it's very indicative of what we saw what I kind of felt in the interview process yeah. in South Bend, and now you're seeing in the
1: NFL, not an easy, easy development for Jerry Tillman. He had a rough transition, but he didn't start his career off great at Notre Dame either. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had some of those concerns. some A lot of those, like you heard that smoke his early years at Notre Dame, and then all of a sudden turned it on uh, in a big way his last couple of years. So maybe he just maybe he needs a while to get comfortable, and yep. uh, then we'll see what happens from there. But the other one I had was actually ranked higher than him on our draft board, Byron Murphy, uh, the cornerback out of Washington. I mean, he was the high school cornerback in college football his last year there is only a redshirt sophomore. I mean he's still only just turned twenty two, so he's still a young dude, but he gave up nine touchdowns this past year. Really looked out of his depth as an outside cornerback. May be a very strong candidate to move to full time slot in the future. Uh, but yeah, just a just a rough rookie season for him. Over there, there years were some
0: flashes. There, there flashes. were some flashes where you're like, oh man, that's the Byron Murphy we saw in Washington. But he did give up a Dif- ton of it's touchdowns. to buy
1: in too much though. Yeah, to see exactly. with How how much bad was? Because
0: he did play, play a ton. I mean, it was trial yeah. by fire for exactly. Byron Murphy. He played a ton. Was leaned on a ton. A lot of target volume. I, th- I I would not be surprised if Byron Murphy had a better second year. Jerry Tillery though, what I'm hearing <laughs> about the offseason, I don't know if this guy's got to turn around within reach. I mean, if Jerry Tillery is still like all in on wanting to be this like standout NFL player, he's got that at the top of his priorities, he can maybe develop. But if that's shifting, I mean, it's tough sledding through the road ahead awesome. for Jerry Tillery. Let's go to biggest di- disappointment for me. I'm going to go ahead and start with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. I, yeah. I mean, we, we, he had the opportunity in Philadelphia. He had it to really shine, and I think part of it was utilization, but also, I mean, you've got to step up. You needed to see less drops. You need to see better contested catches, and J.J. really upset me there. I, I really wish he could have taken... A better step in year one, not super impressive there. Another two. Another thing, too, it's not so much on Andy Isabella, but Andy Isabella and the usage of him. Why was he not targeted more? I think he could have had opportunity yeah. in Arizona's it was, offense. It was very was weird. weird that
1: he could not see the field this year. That was weird that he couldn't see the field because when he was on, like he produced, yeah, when they was when he got his chance. If he, he doesn't have a bigger role big in 2020, place, like what yeah. are we doing? They drafted him in the second round and Cliff Kingsbury was like jumping up and down, like what happened? Yeah, I don't know, but that, that one's odd. The Arcega Whiteside one, though. I just that one I don't get whatsoever what happened to him. Like he just didn't nineteen targets all season long, only calls in ten for 169 balls and they had no wide receivers basically yeah. the last like five, six he weeks. He had Terry McLaurin level opportunity and in yeah. Philadelphia in terms exactly. of there's
0: no other guys, it's time for you to step up, but yeah. like really
1: failed to rise to the occasion. Yeah, just and it was again like he's just not getting thrown at in that Nothing. offense. Uh I couldn't for the life of me understand necessarily why, but we'll see. Uh obviously he's not the first rookie wide receiver to really take it uh, on the chin right out the gate Mm -hmm. so we'll see all
0: right let's go ahead and dive to some some better stuff here pff's best call looking at the 2019 nfl draft board looking at guys where we kind of actually had where they
1: probably should have been go ahead start i will kick it off with aj brown we had him at 20th on our board he goes 51st overall to the tennessee titans and well the rest is history he was pff's offensive rookie of the year uh Over 1,000 yards as a rookie on 84 targets only. Uh, Unreal after the catch, unreal before the catch. I mean, Mm -hmm. he just looks like a stud number one receiver. So even at 20, probably still a little too low on him, but like considering where he went, we were like, yeah, that's, way, that's when it steals the draft immediately. After
0: I mean, A.J. A- Brown and Terry McLaurin had two of the best rookie seasons we've ever seen. I mean, th- th- it was fantastic from A.J. Brown. He'd probably go in the top ten if you had the, the knowledge of what he did this year now. I think A.J. Brown was spectacular, like you said, before and after the catch releases. He's got the size to be an outside receiver. There was some reservation because so much of his production came from the slot yeah. at all Miss, but then you see him turn it on and get outside receiver. I mean, this guy had a very dominant rookie season. I'm going to go for my here biggest, best, best call. Josh Allen at five, guy had all the pressures in the world. Pff, passers grade out, you know, off the charts, and I think he performed very well as a rookie. This is a guy that could be that edge defender piece for Jacksonville. He's also very versatile. Showed that off in some coverage plays too. I think
1: Josh Allen at five was smart. The people that were like hesitant on Josh, that never made sense to me in terms of like, oh, he only he doesn't have like an inside move. And I was like, like inside moves the least. Yeah. My word. If you have if you can win outside and you can win through offensive linemen. Inside move like that one's easy. Yeah. Yeah, Like the inside move, most tackles don't even. Like, the elite, elite tackles just don't get beat inside. Like, Trent Williams of the world, Tyron Smith of the world aren't going to let you go inside on them. Like, they're going to make you run the arc no matter what. You can't Uh, high-value inside moves. Exactly. So, the the sort of the criticisms of Josh Allen, like, he was a freak athlete with freak production.
0: And good size. Like, people forget that this guy had great size. Like,
1: really, really good size coming out. So, I definitely like where we had Josh Allen seeing what we saw this year. All right. And my next one is also an edge defender who got drafted almost in a similar sort of area of the draft that Josh Allen did, but was way lower on our board, Rashawn Gary. We had him at 48th overall. He goes, what was it, 12th to the Packers, 13th to the Packers, whatever it was to the Packers. Uh, And and just he didn't have any sort of impact his rookie year. Uh, When he did get pressures, it was like on stunts uh he was not
0: sounds like a lot of the same things we saw at michigan i mean when you turn it on and and remove stunts you remove play action drop backs and screens where sean gary is one of the lowest graded pass rushers in those situations you'd see that same type of grading profile in the nfl and you don't know why because this guy is a former five-star he does have all these tools but man if you can't rush the passer and have this production it's just so hard to jump on
1: board 16 pressures all season long and 256 snaps and uh, and that's most of them in obvious pass rushing situations. And like, it didn't also make sense from they had two edge rushers. I, I, I normally, we're, we're normally like the whole uh, don't draft for need, don't draft for need, whatever, don't draft. Like, we're not on board with drafting for need, draft good players, but you have to draft good players that have like a foreseeable path to, to playing the playing time. He's behind two guys who are on four year contracts right now at Edge Defender. I don't know how he ever, so he plays 256 snaps this year. You know, including the playoffs, played only twelve snaps in the entire playoffs. I don't see how that increases next year. You know, yeah. unless you kick him inside, unless you, uh, which is he's like vehemently said, he doesn't want to play inside. He wants to be his edge defender. He lost weight from high school to college just to play edge defender. I don't know where he plays anymore, so that pick. That's to a me. tough and situation for Green Bay. That
0: is very tough. Speaking of a tough situation, uh, PFF best call for me is Cleam Furrell at thirty-five. He obviously went number four overall to the Oakland Raiders for reasons that are hard to understand. You know, some say that they wanted a guy that could really play the run. Some guy. That, some people say that they wanted a high-character guy. You know, at that at number four overall, I want a pass rusher that can make an impact at the level yeah. of a Josh Allen, Nick Bosa, and stuff. I know Nick Bosa was off the board, but Josh Allen's there. I think Brian Burns. There's an easier way to see him having success to the next level after seeing Mm -hmm. what he did this year. Cleveland Furl really, really struggled as a pass rusher. I think run defense down the stretch, he graded really well in run defense down the stretch. I thought he played better down the stretch. But you don't draft a very good run defender at edge in, at number four overall, and I, I think that's what we saw with our big board here and I think the Raiders in an interesting situation now because they need still need pass rush. And Max Crosby, the guy they got in the fifth or fourth, I think maybe, that graded really well for us as a pass rusher, that has the athleticism and the high end to potentially be a good pass rusher, and the NFL is outproducing producing and Ferrell
1: across the board, in my opinion. The interesting thing was Cleveland actually had a very good pass rush grade his last year at Clemson, yeah. mm-hmm. 89.9. He just, one, was not particularly athletic, and two, had not produced in any way, shape, or form pass rusher before that year and so it was one of those things where, like one year of pass rushing dominance and it was a lot of uh on the backs of a, of a handful of big games and had disappeared uh, against some better tackles over the course of the season so we were kind of just hesitant on that guy uh and, and so like th- from a production standpoint he still did very much produce his last year at clemson but we were just n- obviously not on board with number four overall and more kind of bullish on that being an outlier over the course of his career. All right, give me your last PFF's best call. Toot one more horn here. Last one is another guy that we were much lower on uh, than where he ended up getting drafted, and it's Lonnie Johnson. The cornerback out of Kentucky was the second-round pick for the Houston Texans this past year. Uh, He got benched uh, (laughs) halfway through the season. They traded for Garyon Conley because they needed someone. He was 161st on our draft board. He was actually the lowest-grade cornerback in all football this year. Man, That was pretty rough to see. He gave up seven touchdowns in half a season's worth of uh, snaps.
0: Basically, I'm going to finish on a positive one here. PFF's best call, Chauncey Gardner Johnson going to the Saints. He was he's number 49 on our big board. I think we, we you know we saw him as a top 50 yep. player in this class. and I think he played like a top 50 player this year. He's shown great signs in the slot. I think he also has potential to play like this box safety role. I mean, I think New Orleans did a great job bringing him in at the spot that they did. I think Chauncey Gardner Johnson is another one of those rookies that in the second year and third year I see this guy getting better um, because of what we saw as a mm-hmm. rookie.
1: You know, uh, not to toot our horn even like louder here, but like all those kind of safeties and like corners that we saw as day two guys who ended up falling pretty late in the draft, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Amani Oroare, Julian Love, those guys who were all... Greedy Williams uh, even fell way made,
0: farther than we thought he would I fall. think
1: all made our top 50. Uh, maybe uh, one of them was just outside our top 50 here. But we were high on all those guys, called them all You know, kind of second-round type of players, all fell to the fourth round. All were very good yep. uh, as rookies. So I, I think that... Uh, you know, I'm not too darn horn, but fucking too too. <laughs> I mean, uh, but I think <laughs> no. part of that too is, is identifying
0: part of that part of this is identifying the value yeah. that there because is in a slot corner yeah. type of hybrid team because like those guys start now. Guess yep. what? Those guys play 400, 600 snaps a year because of how much 11 personnel you see in today's NFL. Mm-hmm. So a Chauncey Gardner Johnson is a guy you value in the top 50 of a draft based off the skills he does have. Yep. So I think in the future, all, hopefully in the future, yes. as the NFL gets smarter,
1: they start to you know start to see a little. Yeah, Money Hooker 44, Julian Love 45. I'm Turnscore Johnson, 49 on our board. Mm-hmm. I'll go to the fourth round and all. Pretty darn good
0: as rookies. There simple. we go Two, two All right now <laughs> After the toots here Let's go PFF's worst call hey. I, I, These are There's some tough ones here I, I don't have any I, I, J.J. Arthego whiteside I thought didn't, you know, Did not deliver But I wouldn't call him The worst call I think you have two names That
1: I really really like yeah, As you say I, I don't think I'm not writing off Byron Murphy just yet At number mm-hmm. six Just because like If you go listen to the slot I think you'll still be Pretty darn good He's pretty young uh, But Jerry Tiller at seven Looks pretty garbage right now Oh uh, man I, I oh, like that one back
0: We didn't I honestly yesterday. don't think We put enough weight Into the background We did we did not put enough weight into like what we were hearing, what we saw when
1: we interviewed him, and I think that stuff matters. Because he really did. Like his pass rushing grade uh, was higher than any defensive interior higher than Derrick Brown, Jordan Elliott, you know, Javon Kinlaw in this draft class was tied with Quinn and Williams last year. Like he was consistently every single like he he did not have a dud game last year. No one like shut him down. He was consistently productive as a pass rusher. But the background is very much concerning. I'd like that one back. And, and you
0: Memphis. turn on the tape, too, and it wasn't like his passers wins
1: were, or, no, were he, bad. He, They're like, dude, this guy has legit moves. He had his, like, spark uh, percentile rating. was in, like, the high, 80th percent, high 80s percentile. Like, he was a freak athlete, too, for the position. A very good athlete for the position at 6'6 six, six with long arms. Like, there's not a lot of things that were, like, <laughs> pointing towards him not being a good football player. Yeah, there's just a couple in the background where you start to get nervous, yeah. and there
0: you are. But uh,
1: <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, Jerry we, Tiller, need to, we need to, like, ban Tiller's name from this podcast. I we guess. might we need to. talk might about about him need to.
0: I him anymore. Another guy I want you to bring up before you bring okay. up your name, not maybe not PFF's worst call because we, we were lower on him than maybe we started, but LJ Collier. I mean, he goes in the first round of Seattle Seahawks. I know you liked him early in the process, but after kind of an interesting combine, those things, you drop him down. I think outside just outside the top 50. 53. 53. Do you, where do you feel you are with LJ.
1: Where do you feel with LJ Collier now? I feel like he's not good. Yeah. That's how <laughs> I feel. Like if you can't see the field for the Seahawks with how bad they were this year, uh, and, and he was a guy who, like I thought, was i don't want to say nfl ready but i thought he should kind of like I mean, he's 24 at the ground running yeah like he, he's old like he was a fifth year guy uh should have looked, looked productive at the senior bowl had the highest win rate of any guy there in attendance so i thought that should kind of translate but he was also a guy who rushed more better on the interior i don't really know how they usually or ideally wanted to use him for the seahawks but i thought that was kind of maybe his best fit was an interior mm-hmm. uh restaurant like third downs but yeah, it didn't go well for him as a rookie. That's. Pretty I
0: remember talking to him at the combine. So when we first watched tape on L.J. Collier together, I was like, oh, "Man, this guy's got a hell of a bull rush, but I don't see much else." And he's like, "Well, you could probably win with that bull rush, or maybe a counter." I go to talking to the combine, mention the bull rush. He's like, "All I need is one more move." I, and maybe he didn't find it. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he just still, still leans searching. on the bull rush. Maybe he's still searching. But maybe if he finds it, could could yeah. move up a little bit. Maybe find some play time at the least. Bring up your third name here, PFF's worst call. All
1: right, and it's Will Greer at 24, above the likes of Drew Locke, above the likes of Daniel jones Mm -hmm. uh, on our draft board he had an outstanding grading profile led the nation in big time throws i will be i'd be remiss to say uh that i thought his senior bowl was absolutely butt cheeks and that like that was scared the shit out of me like in the evaluation process because like that's kind of like a that's like a situation where high pressure like a very but also a very controlled environment to where you should be able to rise above. Yeah. You should look good in that. Did
0: you say Don't. absolutely butt cheeks? Man, that is yeah. damning. That I mean, is he, absolutely look, Did you damning. watch him play this year? No, it I know. Not, the the senior was bowl not was terrible. Yeah. So the senior and bowl, I, I heard from you, Sam, Steve, everyone that watched the senior bowl, like, man, Will Greer had one of the worst senior bowls from a quarterback I've ever seen. Then, too. And then
1: he gets put 24th on our board, Yeah, uh, which uh, probably should have dropped him lower after the senior bowl.
0: But then yeah. also you talked to Zach Robinson, who was an analyst with us in the office here before he accepted the Los Angeles Rams job, and he's... I'll tell you this right now. I've said good things about Zach Robinson. There's not you can't find a guy that doesn't say good things about Zach Robinson. One of the nicest guys. Blah blah blah. He said he met Will Grigs. Like yeah, I didn't like him. Didn't like. Him. And I was like, oh man, he's done. There, I was gonna say if there Zach some... Robinson doesn't like you. You've done. You either like punched his kid or yeah. I don't know what happened. But they, you can't.
1: Zach Robinson likes everyone. So his last two years at West Virginia had a 91.8 passing grade and 91.2. Mm-hmm. Those are outstanding numbers. But like, he got popped for steroids at the quarterback position. That's why he had to transfer from Florida. What the hell was that? Like, that's an off field red flag. The haircut at the combine too. I mean, popped for steroids. You have the senior bowl thing. Another guy to wear, him and Tillery, where it's like, maybe there's something about this there's something field, yeah there's that, something like, this off field where we need to like Zach Robinson's official take was
0: this guy this guy has two phones and I can't get with the two phones guy mm. not this early in the process Whatever it was and he was like rocking two phones while Zach was trying to talk to him nice. and I was like man Zach I, I mean I, I know you hate the guy but geez but here we are the grades are so good but then maybe you don't look in enough into the haircut the senior ball and the <laughs> two phones uh, all right let's move forward here let's talk let's get more positive um, we're gonna go ahead and read some uh, breakout candidates for your two guys that maybe didn't have a great start uh, at this uh, this season, but could have potentially with with health or with a combination of development and health
1: um, get better in year two. I think we have to, I think we're going to have to see some from Quinn Williams. Like, like mm-hmm. I, there's if he is if his rookie season, what we saw from him, which was just like nothing as a pass rusher, some some quality run defense, but nothing special even in that regard. If that's who he is at the NFL level scouting just like doesn't matter like all, all the grading all that we do uh even like the off field like he has no off field red flags whatsoever what are we doing here if a guy like Quinn williams isn't going to be an impact player at yeah. the nfl because it was the best grade best graded season we've ever seen from a defensive tackle in the sec too he did it in, in the, the SEC. sec it wasn't some group of five every, kid grading well every single game he grades well Dominant run and pass rusher. Everyone loves young his is, character. Young was only like twenty years old when he was coming out. Character off field, all you know, flying colors. Number three overall pick. If he doesn't turn it, like if if that's <laughs> who he is. What are we doing here? Because that's yeah. just like it. we cancel the podcast. Exactly. Honestly, I mean, honestly, it, it, it,
0: you know, people so, joke
1: that the twenty, you
0: know, the draft is a lottery. If Quinn Williams doesn't pan out, it's legit a lottery. You yes. might as well just be throwing things in the air and hoping things stick, because it just doesn't make sense if Quinn doesn't pan out. I really agree with yeah. That I probably will just start
1: playing the lottery instead because I'll be out of a job if Quinn Williams doesn't work.
0: But, I want to jump in with uh, I want to jump in with a couple of breakout candidates okay. here. I, I think both the the line, the off-ball linebackers, did not grade where we expected them to grade. Devin Bush and Devin White, and mm-hmm. they had, you know, they saw flashes. I think Devin White, you saw flashes. specifically, and and also Devin Bush, down the stretch, started to grade better. I think Devin, we saw with Devin Bush graded so well in man coverage when it's just like a very very binary ask. Like, just go cover this guy. Well, with zone coverage, things trying to get, you know, things get a little bit more convoluted Mm -hmm. and stuff. But I think both of those guys have all the athleticism, the tools to be really successful in the NFL. They have the opportunity in year two. I think Devin Bush and Devin White, if not break out, significantly improve in year two.
1: Yes, and, and I think it's also because uh, kind of what we saw from them over the course of their careers in college to where it was like, oh, you saw the tools early on in their careers. You saw you know, the athleticism, and then you saw them take this leap uh, you know, in their junior years, which is like, okay, now they're different. They're very much difference makers the more comfortable they are in their respective schemes. So I, do, I get very much on board with that. Let me throw out a couple names, though. Injury guys, Some guys who just missed – the rookie season via injury that you almost forget about at this point that I think will come back and have big year twos. One, Jonah Williams, they need him to for Mm -hmm. Cincinnati Bengals, but I do think you know he was one of our favorite prospects, which actually we'll talk about Mm -hmm. tomorrow as I'm writing up a – Top prospects of the, the PFF era prospect team. So the oh. last uh, six years, top guy, top guys we've graded at every single position or the, the projection wise who we've graded. Jonah Williams makes it at tackle. He's he, we thought that highly of him that he was one of the best, the two best tackle prospects we've graded in our six years of doing this. I think he shows up in a big way for the bang i've in interviewed
0: over 100 150 draft prospects since i started in the last, four into, days. In, in the last 40 days <laughs> and i started getting into this jonah williams is my favorite interview of all time yeah this guy is a smart, he's, with, he's he's the smartest guy in the room really talented driven confident all of those things again, like if, if he doesn't break out what do we do if he doesn't break <laughs> out then again I, we quit the
1: podcast we find another line of work and, and I, we just start measuring guys arms and i that's heard we, skyline
0: chili's hiring yeah. actually i could be interested <laughs> i don't know
1: yeah, go ahead. Next guy, and then the next guy is Nazir Uh missed obviously the safety for the Los Angeles Chargers, their second round pick. We were super high on him coming out, our top safety. He was kind of the one A to Darnell Savage's one B coming out. Uh, had a, uh, we graded all his plays. Delaware had a fantastic grade. Um, I, I just think that in that and in that Charger scheme, he is the perfect free safety. So I do think that year two for him. You're going to see a big thing from him. So mm-hmm. those are my breakout candidates.
0: Perfect, man. Well, I, I, I'm really looking forward to next year. I'm getting excited about two for one drafts in right? 2020 if we keep the Although it's like
1: <laughs> we don't do second year guys now. So we're like, Oh uh, huh. True.
0: So they're dead Maybe, to us. Yeah. Uh, That's the last time we bring Peace, them up. Peace,
1: y'all. Unless we move it to three for one. Rebrand. <laughs>
0: This is PFF's rookies, second-year players, and draft prospects podcast. <laughs> for one, just every year gets bigger. Anyway, I mean, we have more content that way. I, I actually like it. it. Could be just eventually be a podcast, And, yeah. and we're just talking about the NFL. All right, uh, we're going to do this next segment here. We're going to redo the top ten based off the information we saw at, 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 for these guys as rookies. We're going to yes. redo the top ten. But first, should re- I, redo our top ten
1: of our draft board. Yeah, not yeah, the top ten picks.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, redo the top ten of the draft board. So let's go ahead and uh, kick
1: this thing off here. Go ahead and take. Well, it. Well, let's let's re- remind people where we stood at a year ago at this time. Our top. 10 <laughs> 10. Yep. Players heading into the 2019 draft We had Kyler Murray, number one overall, <laughs> Nick Bosa, number two overall, Quinn Williams, number three overall, Jonah Williams at number four, the Alabama tackle, Josh Allen, uh, not the quarterback, the edge defender from Kentucky at number five, Byron Murphy, who we've touched on, the Washington State cornerback, number six, Jerry Tillery, uh, number seven, I said we was going to bring him up again, had to do it at number eight, Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, Mississippi State Defense Tackle, even though he was hurt, Greedy Williams at number nine and Dwayne Haskins at number 10. Uh, Safe to say, things look different. Yeah, no, very Where much. Where's Jerry so. Tillery
0: now? If you had to put him on a big
1: board, Stop. I don't know if he cracks the top no. 100. Cracks no. top 200. Okay, no. You're, so one, you're like exaggerating how many guys actually look good as yeah, rookies. yeah, true, true. Like there probably were 25 ish or so guys who actually like you know raised their stock yeah, as yeah, rookies yeah, yeah. who true. were like, okay, they got better, they'd be moving up boards. And, and again, it's while there are levels of suck as a rookie, and it's like if you're really, really, really bad, uh, that's con- more concerning. It, it's not. It, if you're bad, it's not like necessarily that much worse to be just god awful. Mm-hmm. Like, like it is a little worse, but it's not like it, you're not. I'm not just moving a guy all the way yeah. to the back of my board just because he was easily the worst defensive tackling. My girlfriend thinks differently. You know?
0: It's like <laughs> she's like, yeah, there's a there's a range, but I kind of hate both. I yeah. guess I don't know.
1: Anyway, let's go. All let's right. go to the new top ten. So the new top ten, I think Kyler Murray still number one. Mm-hmm. Like he showed more than enough as a rookie. With his athleticism, uh, I honestly didn't even think like that sort of scheme that they ran. The Cardinals, hot take here, I don't think it was like great for his. Skill set, like, for Kyler Murray, yeah, wow. Like, all the RPOs that they ran, I don't think that's him. Like, I don't, I think he can run a like a more NFL sort of passing offense than what they gave him credit for, or than what Cliff Kingsbury ran. He put
0: some special deep throws on yeah, takes. Exactly. I mean, this guy's saying, like, he he accurate throw down thrower down of field. the
1: football. Take advantage of that. Don't make him get the ball out quick. Yeah. Give him some fives. Give him some seven Now, now yeah, now some of that was because their offense line is still pretty awful. Oh and they need to address that. There's, there's a difference between bad and awful, and they're awful. And try to protect him with that. So I'm not going to blame him too much, but I do think he Run an NFL offense still, so he's at number one. Nick Bosa at number two, no brainers there. And then here's where we start to change from last year. AJ Brown number three. Let's go, let's go. He was the 20th overall player on the board. I, I, I think I would put the him. Jets would, I, I would take AJ Brown. You, you would if it, take AJ Brown in a heartbeat right now, mm-hmm. if you're in the top five of last year's draft, oh, you just would. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, yeah. A.J. Brown is just fantastic
0: yeah. this past year. I, again, you look at yards per out run and PFF receiving grade, have high correlations year over year in the NFL level, also college to pro. Mm-hmm. And you see that with A.J. Brown. You get just really impressed with what every he's single, done. Yeah. Yeah. So productive. I think he does it in the right ways, too. He can win outside. He
1: can win inside. He can beat press at the line of scrimmage. I mean, this, guy, this guy's a good dude. All right, number four, sticking with Quinton Williams. Like I said, if he doesn't... Pan out and at least turn into a darn good defensive tackle. What are we doing? Like, I mean, he just he just has to at some point. So if I'm he's still, healthy,
0: if he's healthy yeah. in twenty twenty, like fully healthy. I mean, obviously you got some banged up playing D tackle. You're going to get banged up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're healthy and he plays in every game and he does not break out, it yeah. does not significantly improve. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, we got we got to quit the podcast.
1: All right, and number five, Jonah Williams. Obviously, again, he was the one of the top two prospects of the tackle position in the pff era we're not going to give up on him just because he had a shoulder injury still think he's going to be darn good so we take him at he's our fifth prospect josh allen at number six one of the guys who was five before did nothing to dissuade us had a very good rookie season uh easily the second best rookie edge behind nick bosa so he stays at number six and then number seven big mover on our board Terry mclaurin oh yeah comes in at number seven like his speed his route running ability any team in the NFL could use that right yeah. now uh, and he's got you know a little more downfield threat ability in terms of pure speed then an AJ Brown a uh, little different. I don't think he has the after catch ability mm-hmm. quite close to AJ Brown but he's... And
0: I, I've talked good. to him twice now since he's been drafted by the Washington Redskins and one of those interviews is on the P- uh, 241 Drafts podcast if you want to go to some previous episodes I didn't realize how smart this kid was. I mean this guy is legit very, very smart between the ears, knows... I mean you talk about I had him just break down the Darius Slay matchup how much preparation he said went into that matchup was mm-hmm. absurd. He watched how Darius Slay went against big receivers, what he does at the line of scrimmage, when he's playing zone, when he's playing man, like this guy goes all in on the, how he can beat and the cornerbacks. And again, that, I'm telling you right now, dude, if you're smart at the college level, you're going to be smart in the NFL. If you're athletic at the college level, you're going to be athletic in the NFL. Those things stick no matter where you're going, yeah. and I think it's an important trait, and Terry McLaurin definitely has it.
1: Yes, sir. Number seven on our board. Now, number eight on our board, another big mover, Jamel Dean. Mm-hmm. Now, he, he moves up from 73rd, but I just think what we saw from him Towards the second half of that season. Yes, it's small sample size, but it was different. Yep, It was different than He'd be the new best cornerback in this class. I mean, he'd be the new best cornerback. And there's nothing physically stopping him from being an elite cornerback in the NFL. He has all the physical tools. Uh, the off-the-charts production.
0: It was scary what his combine was. I mean, like, how yeah. big he was, and the the 40 he clocked. I mean, this guy, we probably should have pushed him up a little bit more than we did after yeah. that combine, because that combine was absurd.
1: It, it was just such a tough eval. I, I think we've talked about it before in terms of just, like, his, the, what he was doing there at Auburn was not anything like what he was going to be doing in the NFL. He just was hanging on receivers. Just yeah, yeah. Like completely off-the-line of scrimmage. But, yeah, you mentioned his testing. four three flat, 16 bench press reps, 41-inch vertical, Ten foot ten broad, seven oh two cone and four one nine shuttle are like all right, but the dude's two hundred six pounds. Like he's he's a horse for the corner. He looks position. like a linebacker so kind 20. of out there. Yeah. I mean, it was insane. Yeah, and so uh, no one was high on him. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at Lance Airline's grade. He says good backup was the grade he gave Jeez. him, and it's like the dude looks like a like a top 10 player on our board now. So yep. that's Jamal Bean. Number nine, Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, came back from the ACL, looked very good uh, towards second half of the year. Give him he a full, there. healthy off season. I think this kid looks really yeah, good in year exactly. two. And then number 10, this one f- would have been Juan Thornhill had he not torn his ACL, but that's going to kind of throw a wrench in like going forward. You might have yeah. his year two might not be a huge uh, leap forward just because your off season's all rehab. So we're going to go Darnell Savage, who was uh, – pretty much equally good at the safety position. Has speed himself, playmaking ability, uh, very much improved that Packers D. Can't forget when we first watched Darnell Savage together, the six plays in, we kind of look at each other like, this is kind of first-round tape. This is, yeah.
0: <laughs> this is this is first-round tape right here. Like, this guy's got... Here. And then he yeah. clocks, like, I think it was one of the fastest 10-yard splits, the Combine's seen since 2003. Yeah, like that did not five. get talked about enough. Mm-hmm. If that if that guy's exploding out of his breaks. I really like what the Green Bay Packers secondary is. Maybe they can bring some coaches to actually put the thing together because oh, yeah. they, they have some That's talent in yeah. that secondary. That's they Kevin King, Jerry Alexander, Dar- Darnell Savage, maybe they add another well, defensive Josh back. Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson. Top 10 another,
1: player from our board a few years ago.
0: Another guy that graded really well in oh, Iowa God. system. Oh, man. We'll find out if he actually pans out. Maybe with some better coaches. I don't know. But, yeah, that a, a good new top 10. Really do love Darnell Savage. That's going to go ahead and do it for the Wednesday edition of the 2 for 1 Drafts podcast. Remember, you can find us live on YouTube most days, most weeks. We're also on Spotify, Apple okay. Podcasts, and Stitcher. Uh, again, this is going to be it. Austin Gale, Mike Renner, 2 for 1 Drafts.